0: Welcome to episode 547 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And you might notice it's just my voice tonight. Yeah, no Richard tonight. If 2020 was a dumpster fire of a year, this week has been a dumpster fire of a week for Richard. So unfortunately, he couldn't make it tonight. Hopefully he'll be back next week cuz I'm sure you all agree with me that the show is just more fun when Richard is here and frankly there are a couple of stories tonight that I really wanted to to get his input on so we'll have to wait until next week to hear from him on on some of those topics also I you know I don't think we had any feedback for this week so if you want to send us some feedback for a future episode, you can drop us an email at entertainment 20 digitalmediazone.com or just use the contact form over on the website. So no feedback, no opening banter with Richard. So I guess we'll just get started right into the, the video news. You, you might think, oh, Richard's away. It's going to be all gaming news. Don't worry only two gaming stories, and I don't think they'll take that long. So it's mostly video stuff tonight, guys. Okay, so we're going to start like, frankly, the news is kind of all over the place. So I, I couldn't even really put all of this in a great order of like, this is the biggest news of the week. It's kind of just all over the place. So I figured the best way to start would be to talk about a feature that's all over the place. And that's Netflix confirming they're going to bring the the ability to shuffle to their video streaming service later this year. It's been in a little bit of testing, especially in some other regions around the world. No real details here, but the goal is basically, you're going to be able to open up Netflix and say, just play something you think that I'm going to like. And Netflix pretty much knows what you like based on everything that you watch. Their algorithms can can do the magic and and take a, a pretty good guess at what you like. Now, as for what this is actually going to look like, not really sure. Uh, all they're really doing is confirming that the functionality will exist. But in the the sort of beta process that various people have gone through, it's been implemented in a couple of different ways so far. So one of them is just right on the profile screen. So when Netflix opens up on your device and you're used to picking your profile, below the, below your profile, because it would still be profile-based, of course, uh, would be a button uh, that, that, that just says, play something for me. Uh, another option that has shown up is uh, in, in the main menu that, that shows up on the left-hand side of the screen, uh, an option that just says, play something. Uh, they even joked uh, when when they were announcing this that it's the I'm feeling lucky option, <laughs> referencing back to uh, the, the option that Google used to have. I don't think Google still has it, uh, where if you would type in your search terms, click I'm feeling lucky, it would just skip the search results and take you to the very first search result. It, they're not actually going to call it that, <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of what they're talking about. Now, I'm curious, though, how many of you want this? I, I think for some people they're like, who would ever want this sort of feature? I want to be in control of what I'm watching. And but I, I think there are a fair amount of people out there who are like, I just want something on. I'm just looking for some background noise. Um, you know, it it's just something to throw on while um winding down at the end of the day, or maybe I'm finishing up some work or or something like that. You know, people who, who just want anything to play. And since it's not just anything, it's pr- theoretically going to be things that you like. Hopefully this could work pretty well. For me, this isn't something I'm going to use. Uh, if, if I'm going to sit down and dedicate the time to actually watching something, I'm picking the thing I want to watch. This is, this is not at all for me, uh, but I could see my wife uh, picking this. She's not someone who typically sits down with with something in mind that she wants to watch because she's not a big TV person. You know, if, if she's watching something, it's probably because she's folding laundry or something like that. So uh, it, it could just be like, I don't care, just play something I like while I'm folding laundry. And, and that would actually probably work pretty well for her. So curious what you all think if you're excited about this feature or if there are other use cases that I'm totally missing here. Next up is one that I really wanted to get Richard's input on, and that is that CBS All Access. This is a service that Richard has said mostly bad things about as long as it's existed. It's a service that it feels like it only really exists uh, to show new Star Trek shows. That's all changing because on March fourth, the service is going to get renamed to Paramount Plus. Feels like this whole plus name naming convention it's got to go. Disney Plus. Apple TV+, Plus, Discovery+, Plus, now Paramount+. Plus. Come on, guys, be a little bit more creative with, with your video streaming service names. It's not just a, a, a naming branding change, though. While I know that one of Richard's big complaints with CBS All Access was he had to pay a bunch of money for a very limited amount of content. It wasn't a super big catalog when it was just CBS stuff. But now it's going to include a bunch of other things that Paramount slash Viacom uh, owns. So Paramount movies and other Viacom properties. So you could see all sorts of different content in here. You know, Viacom owns lots of other channels. You know, the one that always comes to mind for me is MTV. I don't know that there's, you know, maybe this ends up being the place for the real world. Uh, I'm not sure but the the cost it's gonna be five uh five ninety nine a month if you're willing to watch ads or nine ninety nine a month without ads. that's pretty much all we have for details, but they are saying that there will be more details coming on february twenty fourth so in a little less than a month and a couple of weeks uh well really about a week before this service actually launches so there's there there's a decent opportunity for a a pretty large amount of of meaningful content to get added to the service, and that that's why I wonder like okay richard now now is this something that you'd be willing to pay for or or is it not really and if if not, is it because of the cost like ten bucks a month if you're if you don't want to watch the ads that's that's not exactly the cheapest service out there when you're comparing it to things like Disney Plus or Peacock or Discovery Plus, things like that. Next story I know Richard was excited about. He's the one who actually put it in the notes. Channels, the the app and, and service that we've been talking so much about over the last probably six months or so. The app that's kind of stepped in for, for both me and Richard to kind of replace some of our other DVR options. Like we're not really using Plex as a DVR anymore. Neither of us are really using HD home run DVR anymore, not even really using TiVo anymore because channels is so good. And they just in the last few days released an update for all of you Apple fans out there. If you've got an Apple TV, they've now added picture in picture support on iOS and Apple TV. So this is they're saying this is like their number one most requested feature is to add support for picture in picture and uh, picture in picture is awesome. Like to be able to put something on while you're doing something else, checking out other content, you know, maybe you've got a, a sports game on in the picture in picture while you're doing some other stuff, but you just want to keep an eye on that. You know, lot, lots of really good use cases for picture in picture. So to to have that support is a really big deal in in the Apple ecosystem. And the thing that makes this even better, really, there's a couple of things that make it even better. One, all of the stuff that you would watch on channels is available. So you're probably primarily watching your over-the-air content through an HD Home Run tuner. That works, of course. But also, if you've set up channels to do the, the TV everywhere services. So like if you are a cable subscriber and you can use TV everywhere to log in your HGTV app and your CNN app and your Fox sports app and you know, all of that stuff, all of those things plug directly into channels and all of those also work inside of picture in picture mode. The other thing that's good is maybe you're thinking, well, that's that's great, but for them to do this, like it probably requires recording and I don't actually pay for the DVR server because I don't need their DVR. I just like to be able to watch live TV on my Apple TV. Don't worry. It also does not require the channel's DVR service. So this is available to basically everyone who's using channels on an Apple device. Continuing in the like super weird, like, you know, like I said, all of the news is kind of all over the place this week. We're always talking about new streaming services. This next story is about a channel going away. And it's a sports channel, which is kind of weird. Sports channels are kind of a big deal. But NBC Universal is shutting down NBC Sports Network. And maybe you're thinking, who cares? No one watches that. Well, that's not entirely true. <laughs> so, NBC Sports has uh they're currently the the only uh cable network that has NHL. They also air a lot of IndyCar. They air some NASCAR content and the channel's just going away. Now, maybe it's because outside of those live sporting events there not a whole lot else on the network to really support having it as its own separate channel. And, and I wonder if that makes, you know, packaging the channel with various like cable providers and, and streaming television providers, if that makes it more difficult. So it's going away. And th- then the question is, well, where am I going to watch my hockey games? Where am I going to watch these NASCAR races? Not the most likely place, maybe not the first channel you would think of, USA. Then I have to tune into USA to watch hockey and NASCAR and and those other sporting events. And some of them, as as they wind this down over the course of the year, some of them, they're just going to dual broadcast. And so what that means is they're going to show a hockey game on USA and on NBC Sports. I I guess the idea there is just let's get people used to switching over to USA But if they haven't really quite figured this out yet, we'll leave it on over at NBC Sports Network. Anyway, I hope that this doesn't mean that the people who are employed by NBC Sports are going to be losing their jobs. I I think obviously some people will because they won't need everybody, but a lot of the on-screen personalities, uh, they, they might hopefully still keep around. There's some of them that I would like to see them keep around. I think Catherine Tappan does a nice job in between periods of hockey games. Um, there's a couple of other guys on there that I could definitely do without. Uh, but uh, overall, pr- pretty decent. Uh, when I have watched at NBC for IndyCar, they've had really good people on there also. So hopefully, a lot of those people will continue to stick around. Now, USA isn't going to be the only place where some of this content goes, some of it will also going to Peacock. Now, all of this is kind of technically rumor because it's being reported on based on a memo that was sent out to employees. Like NBC hasn't actually announced any of this. So we don't have any real details. But if if some of the sporting stuff goes to Peacock and it's available in the free tier, that, that could be kind of cool. Like, But I don't necessarily expect to see any of the the big name events, like I, I don't think you're going to see Stanley Cup playoff games on a free streaming service. Like they're going to want to make their money uh, back back from from those types of of shows. So probably not any of the really big things, but there's always a possibility, and, and maybe it even just comes to the the paid tier of Peacock. All right, next story. This is one that surprised me. I didn't realize this didn't work. YouTube. On the Xbox, on on the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and Series S consoles, finally getting the ability to play HDR video through YouTube. What? This didn't work already? I I didn't realize this didn't work. But apparently, even though we've had, uh, you know, the Xbox One S since what twenty seventeen, I think is when that device came out and was capable of. 4K content, plus HDR, and I mean, it had uh, an a UHD Blu-ray drive in it, so very obviously capable of HDR. There they're HDR streaming apps like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, those have all been there since that console debuted, but YouTube didn't support HDR. I didn't realize this. A, prob- a bunch of you probably did, but apparently they've now figured this out, they've got it working. If you've got an Xbox One S, an Xbox One X, or an Xbox Series S or X, you can now watch YouTube in HDR on your Xbox device. So that's great news. There are, uh, uh, there's at least one limitation. The Xbox One S doesn't support 60 frames per second uh, at at 4K with HDR. You you can only go to 1440 p on a 1S when you're watching HDR video. Didn't didn't know that was a limitation. Seems a little weird considering you can watch a 4K Blu-ray with HDR on a 1S, but whatever. At least they've finally, finally got that. our, our last video story, and it's only partially a video story. It's a video story because of the removal of video, actually. <laughs> so for all of you d c comics fans out there, and I, I know we've got them we've we've heard from you about uh d c universe as as a service that launched a couple of years ago. It was a service that bundled uh, a comic a comic book service plus a video, so lots of like Batman videos and all of these other things and and I remember when it launched, they had like exclusive video shows. They were only available inside of, of DC Universe. Not my thing, so I never really dug into it. I'm, I'm a Marvel guy and, and really just an X-Men guy, so never really cared all that much about DC. But that whole service is changing. So all of the video, all of that video stuff, all of your Batman movies, all of those original series, they're all going to HBO Max. Not surprising. A- HBO, they they want to give you a whole bunch of reasons to pay them $15 a month for HBO Max, right? That that totally makes sense. You may not be happy about it, but it makes sense. So, what that means for DC Universe is they're changing it to be basically solely focused on comics. Sounds good, right? Two things that kind of don't make a whole lot of sense to me here. One is the name. They're renaming it from DC Universe to DC Universe infinite. Now, that feels like they're just trying to make it similar to their competitor, Marvel Unlimited, Unlimited, Infinite, kind of the same thing. But when I hear it's changing from blah, blah, blah to blah, 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 infinite, that to me signals, oh, it's even more content. That's not the case here. All they're doing is removing stuff, right? So what does infinite mean here? infinitely less video. Like this is kind of a stupid name. It's a really stupid name. So it, it's just comics. It's getting going to have some extra community stuff, but it's basically just common comics. And if you're thinking, oh, well, maybe they're changing it to get us comics earlier. No, I don't think that's the case either. You know, if, if the latest Batman comic comes out this week, it's still not going to show up in this service for six months. That's just the the standard waiting period, I guess, for comics in the DC universe. I'm going to bet that Marvel has a similar thing. You're probably not getting the latest Iron Man comics right away inside of Marvel Unlimited. But I don't know. Uh, if you know and you care, uh, l- let me know. Because I- I'm curious. Like, Is this another area where, where Marvel is is beating DC here? The one area that Marvel isn't beating them is price. So Marvel Unlimited is $9.99 a month. DC Universe Infinite is $7.99 a month. So it, it is two bucks cheaper than Marvel, but it's still $8 a month and you don't get any of the stuff that you used to get. So now if, if you're just a DC super fan and that's all you care about to be able to consume all of that stuff now you've got to pay 8 bucks a month for DC Universe Infinite and 15 bucks a month for HBO Max so it went from $8 a month to $23 a month what really really and there are people that will do that and maybe they're totally fine with it because they're they're already thinking like well i pay $10 a month for Marvel Unlimited and i pay what is Disney Plus? Seven dollars a month? Sure, that's still a lot less than <laughs> what it costs to be in the DC universe. But I also get that it's not apples to apples. Like when you're talking about Disney Plus or HBO Max, there is so much more there, and I really doubt that there are very many people who are like, "I'm getting HBO Max just so I can watch DC comic stuff." I don't. I don't think there's very many people that fall into that bucket. There's probably some of you out there, but I don't think it's very many. You're probably also enjoying all of the other stuff that comes with HBO Max. All right, so that's it for our video and comic book news, I guess. And uh, just two fairly quick stories in the gaming segment. So the first one is, wow, the Xbox, they really screwed up this weekend. So Friday afternoon, which... As most people know, is, is the time that you release press releases that you hope nobody pays attention to. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for, for Xbox this week. So on Friday, Xbox said, We're, we're going to adjust Xbox Live Gold pricing a little bit. And it's, it's fair. Like, we haven't updated prices since 2010. You know, we're looking at 11 years of Xbox Live Gold with the same price. And when I when I first saw that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I I can see that it's time for for an increase in price because Xbox Live is a really great service. Inflation, all that cool. And the the first thing I saw was okay, the monthly subscription it's going up from nine 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 ninety nine a month to ten ninety nine a month. Okay, great. It's one dollar. That's super fair. I'm on board. Three month subscription went from. 25 bucks a month to 30. Okay, that's that's increasing it more, but who does that? Who actually buys Xbox Live Gold in, in a three-month increment? Like nobody, right? Six months 60 bucks. Wait a second. 60 bucks is what one year used to cost. You can see where this is going, right? <laughs> one year went from $60 a year to $120 a year. The internet lost their collective minds. What are you thinking? Like, this is insanity. You've spent the last two years, Microsoft and Xbox, building up all of this goodwill in in the gaming community as the place to go for gaming value. We constantly talk on the show about what a fantastic value Xbox Game Pass is. And clearly, they, they were thinking, we want to just be pushing people into Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate is $15 a month. You know, maybe it, it's very easy to assume that what they were thinking was, if we increase these prices, people will realize that, no, I should really just give them the $15 a month for Game Pass Ultimate and be done. Because Game Pass Ultimate gives you Xbox Live Gold and all of those benefits, plus a massive collection of games to play. You know, it's, it's got to be over 200 games at this point, including day one launch for any Xbox Game Studio game that gets released. It's an awesome deal. It still is. And everybody should still get that if you're a console gamer. But just telling people that, oh, you know, maybe you're just a, a casual Xbox fan who you buy Madden and Call of Duty every year and that's it and that is all you care about. Now you've got to pay $120 a year to play those games online with your friends? Who in their right mind thought that this was going to be a good idea? Well, with the internet exploding Friday evening, uh, just a few short hours later, Microsoft decided, "Mm, just kidding, we're not actually going to do that now. Uh, In fact, we're not only not going to change the price of Xbox Live Gold, how about we also stop requiring Xbox Live Gold for free-to-play games? you know, like what PlayStation does. You want to play Fortnite with your friends on a PlayStation? You can do that without subscribing to PlayStation Plus. That was not the case on Xbox. Now it is. So in just like eight hours, they went from saying, yeah, we're doubling the cost of Xbox Live Gold and not giving you any extra benefits to we're leaving the cost the same. The price is not going to change. And we're making it so that you don't need it if you don't, you know, if you're only playing Fortnite and other free to play games. Wow. Like it ended well, but I'm not sure that this is an all is well that ends well sort of situation. Like seriously, who at Microsoft thought that this was a good idea? Like this really, really makes me question the judgment of, of the people that that are making these types of decisions over. At at Xbox, like Phil Spencer had to be in on this. Phil Spencer seemed to be on the gamers' side. You know, the 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 only person in the industry that I can really think of who's like, "Yep, we're about gamers. We're here to do things for gamers. It is not solely about lining my pockets." Yeah, this totally looked like trying to line the pockets of of Microsoft, and that's it makes it makes me a little bit nervous about what other. Stupid things are going to be coming down the 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 pike for for Microsoft and for Xbox. This last story, I'm also not. Th- this is one that I'm not really sure that I've really figured out my opinion on it yet. So today, Plex announced a new offering called Plex Arcade. That's right, Plex is getting into gaming. We're talking about Plex in the gaming section, something we've never done before. So Plex is obviously your it, it's pretty much the go-to service for running your own home entertainment library. If you're ripping all of your movies and your music and all and all of your TV shows and wanting to view them from anywhere, Plex is, is one of the best ways to do that. There's Cody and some of those other products out there, but Plex, Plex is kind of the big dog in that game. They want to expand into gaming. Makes sense. So what's that look like? Well, it, it basically means ROMs, you know, emulators and ROMs. So what they're doing is allowing you to take your library of video game ROMs. So these are, you know, think of you know, if you rip your movie, you end up with like an MKV file. Well, you can rip video games from classic consoles. Also, this is way more sketchy when it comes to the, the legal terms of being able to do this. I'm not going to get into all of that here. That That's for you to figure out with your lawyer. That's for Plex to figure out with their lawyers. I'm not getting into that. But if you have a collection of ROMs, you've been able to play them on PCs and all of that stuff. And that's great. And it's not too hard to, to set that up. It's not too hard to take a Raspberry Pi and download an image that you can just throw on a micro SD card, slap it in your Pi, plug your Raspberry Pi into your computer, and you've got, you know, a really great retro gaming solution with thousands of games. If you want, they're integrating this this type of functionality right into Plex. And at first, you're like, "Yeah, okay." Like Cody does that. Cody does it pretty well. So do some of these other services. What's so great about this? The thing that's so great about this is that it it is actually streaming. This isn't just running everything from. From the one box. So, like if you're running Plex on your computer, you can play your games on your computer. Now, this is streaming. So, you've got all of these games and the emulators running on your Plex server. You can pull out your Android phone and play your ROMs on your Android phone. That's kind of cool. You know, that's like Google Stadia or uh, Amazon Luna or uh, Xbox's Project X Cloud. For your ROMs, that's kind of a a cool feature. And and it means that, like, all of your save files, all of that stuff, I I presume, because I haven't gotten a chance to play with this since it just came out today, all of that's in one place and accessible from all of these different clients. That's pretty awesome. There are a bunch of limitations, though. Right now, it only works for Plex Media servers that are installed on Windows or Mac computers you're running it on Linux, like Raspberry Pi, ain't happening. You're running it on an Nvidia Shield, nope. Running it on a NAS, nope. It has to be through a Windows PC or a Mac. It also isn't available through every single client out there. Now, Plex is on everything, right? <laughs> but this won't work on absolutely everything. It does still work on a lot of things. You can do it in a browser. You can do it on Android devices that includes Android TV as clients, but it doesn't work on everything. Like there's a Plex client app for Xbox. You can't stream your, your emulator games to your Xbox. That would be awesome. And I hope they're working on that because on an Xbox, I've already got a controller hooked up to this thing. Maybe you don't have a a collection of ROMs and you don't want to deal with that, but you really love Super classic Atari games. Well, then you're in luck because they've actually partnered with Atari and you don't have to worry about any of the sketchiness of licensing here because they're just making a bunch of classic Atari games available in this service. It'll just work. And that's pretty great. that's, That's pretty awesome. Here's what's maybe not so awesome about it it's not free. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. It's not free, but it's Plex. So that just means that it's it must be available with Plex Pass. No, that's not the case either. You get a deal on it if you're a Plex Pass subscriber, but you're paying for this either way. If you want this, you have to pay. If you do have Plex Pass, this service, Plex Arcade, is going to cost you $2.99 a month. If you don't have Plex Pass, it'll cost you $4.99 a month. And if you're thinking, just, I mean, I guess really just to be clear, it doesn't require Plex Pass. So if you're just like a casual Plex user who isn't paying for the extra features of Plex Pass, you don't have to just to use this feature. It's just going to cost you $4.99 in a month to be able to, to have this. If you're interested, but you're not sure about paying the money for it, there is a seven-day free trial. So like I said, I'm, I'm really kind of back and forth on this. I think the idea is really cool think there's a lot of really awesome possibilities here. I don't love the subscription, but it does make sense. Like this is a streaming service being powered by uh, a, a partner service called Parsec, which is basically a super low latency remote desktop service provider. Basically, like they are a company that their main service is to allow you to stream PC games via a remote desktop type interface to other computers. So like if you want to play a, what we would call a couch co-op PC game with a friend who's not on the, on the couch with you, you can do that through Parsec. So they're using their technology. That's where some of the cost comes in, I'm sure. But this is still very early. and And in their announcement post for it, they even described it as like, kind of like a Kickstarter initiative. If people sign up for it and they enjoy it, they'll keep working on it. If no one signs up for this and no one's paying for it, they're probably going to abandon it. So if this sounds at all interesting to you, you should probably at least sign up for the seven-day free trial. But I have a feeling that there's a lot of you who are interested in this, but you're not running Plex on a Windows, or on, on a Windows PC or a Mac. I think there's a lot of you that are running Plex on your NAS device, or maybe like me on an Nvidia Shield, and you can't do this on any of those boxes. So, no, uh, or or a Linux-based server. So maybe that's going to change. But it sounds like from from what I've been reading, that limitation is really because of Parsec. Sharp-dressed penguin in in the chat is saying uh, that that he's used Parsec before and. It's pretty slick, he says. He's actually used it for video editing remotely. If you can do video editing remotely, that's got to be some some pretty solid technology, because you're talking about individual frames and stuff like that. That's that's impressive. So uh, maybe this is kind of two news stories for the price of one. If you've never heard of Parsec but wanted to play co-op, or, you know, basically multiplayer PC games with friends who aren't in your house, Parsec, P-A-R sec.app is the website, parsec.app. So let me know what you think. I, I, I do think this is a cool idea. And, and Plex is, you know, while other providers like Kodi and, and RetroArch and stuff like that have been able to do this in the past, the thing that makes Plex so nice is that it is so easy to use. And it looks good. And like those other services not quite so much, not as easy to set up, not as easy to use, maybe don't look quite as good. I I like the idea here. And and the streaming aspect is kind of awesome to be able to just pull out your phone anywhere and start streaming some of your ROMs. That's kind of cool, especially if the the saved files, saved game state and all that stuff sticks with the server. That could be really, really cool. So let us know what what you think of Plex Arcade. So that is it for the news. So now to get into what's been going on in my entertainment center. On the gaming side, I don't think I've actually played. No, I have. A little bit of Call of Duty. Kind of chilling out on the Call of Duty a little bit. Getting getting a little Call of Duty out just because it's basically like all I've been playing since Call of Duty came out in in the fall. A little bit of NHL, frankly, not not quite enough. And then uh playing through Wasteland 3, some, which I I mentioned on the last episode. Still really enjoying Wasteland 3. It's a fun game. But because this is probably all my fault, because I've been getting a little bit of Call of Duty out, the the guys that I regularly play games with, which since November has been Call of Duty, we were looking for something else to play. And we thought, you know, we used to play the Division 2 together, and they've got some new modes that we never even played. So we all, you know, spent a couple hours reinstalling 50 gigs of the division two or however big that was. And uh, a couple of times over the last week, uh, checked out the new mode. I should have written down the name of the mode, but it's basically a 100 story skyscraper, which is basically just 100 levels that you try to fight through. Uh, there are bosses every 10 levels and stuff like that. It's fun. We've made it to 20-something, 20 24 maybe. I don't remember. It, it, it's cool. I, I don't know that we're going to stick with it to try and get all the way to, uh, to level 100. Oh, it's called The Summit. Sharp-Dressed Penguin, he's actually one of the guys that I play with. Uh, he's, he's in the chat and reminded me the name of it. It's called The Summit. So it, it is a cool mode. I've got a new uh audiobook that I'm listening to. It's this is for you sci-fi people out there. It's called Axiom's End. The author is Lindsay Ellis. This is a relatively new book uh in the sci-fi space. It takes place in 2007. It's aliens. Aliens have landed. They've actually been here for like 40 years or something. Um I'm not super far into the book. It's also not super long. So I'm not really going to get into any more specifics, but if you're into interesting sci fi like that, you know, I mean, it's, it's basically fairly realistic 2007 type scenario, it takes place in Southern California, uh, but it's just that aliens are here. <laughs> so um, it actually also has a it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of QAnon sort of stuff. Like the main character's dad is someone who's. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe kind of a combination of like WikiLeaks and QAnon. WikiLeaks is probably more the inspiration for this. Uh so main character's dad is like, uh he, he's getting leaks about these aliens and, and he's spreading this and it's basically viewed as conspiracy theory type stuff. Uh, but it's it's not. The aliens are actually here. Uh but, but so far it's a pretty good book. I think the audiobook is only about 15 hours, so not super long for an audiobook. So decent chance I'll have that finished by next week's show, if not probably two weeks from now, and I'll give you my full review. But for a short audiobook, if you're into sci-fi, might be worth checking out Axiom's End by Lindsay Ellis. In terms of watching TV, a little bit of hockey, NHL is returned. The Penguins are just mediocre this year. I'm, I'm I'm very concerned that my, you know, the, the long years of, of lots of winning is coming to an end. Maybe, maybe I'm getting a little bit too down at the beginning of the season. They have a winning record, but they don't look great. But so a little bit of hockey, a little bit of football. Um, let's see. I think since the last time we did this, well, no, the, the, college football national championship would have been on the last episode that we talked about. So it's really just been NFL playoffs. Gotta say once the teams that I care about lost, I haven't been super interested. Only watched a little bit this weekend of the Green Bay game. I, man, I don't know about Super Bowl this year, guys. I'm I'm really curious what everybody else is thinking. I don't care about either of the teams. It's not going to be broadcast in 4k. Even though it was last year, you could stream it in four K last year. You can't this year. A lot of the big name companies in advertising aren't going to be doing uh, really cool ads this year, like Budweiser and Coca Cola. They're not doing ads this year. So, like football from teams I don't care about, and maybe you know second tier ads commercials during the Super Bowl. I'm not sure that's worth my time. Like, that sounds like a Sunday night where I play video games instead of watching the Super Bowl. I don't know. Let me know what what you all are are thinking about that. I'm not so sure this year. Really not sure. All right. Well, that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center and for what's going on with this episode. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff. Twitter is where we hang out the most, though. So I'm at Josh Pollard. Richard is at Richard Gunther. And the website is at DigiMediaZone. All of the rest of our contact information, if you want to send us tweets or or send us some email, all of that is over in the show notes at thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can also find Richard's other podcast. It's called Home On, where he covers home automation from the DIY uh, perspective. And then also a reminder that we typically record the show live. We use Twitch to do that, but if you're not really familiar with Twitch, you can just go over to the website, click the live button. It's just the digitalmediazone.com slash live, and you can watch the show right there. We normally do this Tuesday nights, typically about 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on Twitter to find out for sure if the show is going to be live, and if so, what day and time, because sometimes it does change. But that's going to do it for episode 547. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.